Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of This Is Rampage, Baby. <laughs> but before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture I think on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Rampage, Baby, uh, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, and pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with the bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, join my Michael Hamlet to review AW Rampage. Sorry, it's been a been a oh. bit of a mad day today. We've reviewed Raw, SmackDown. We're going to be looking ahead to NXT a little bit later on. <laughs> I'm about to piss myself. But what did you think of AEW Rampage this week, Hamlet? <sighs> Whatever I did think about it has just gone out the window because now I can't stop thinking about that. I think that before you introduce that voice into podcast canon, which immediately became canonized the second you did it, and you knew that, <laughs> yep. you prick, you knew that. I felt that the like when you do your the full the full complement of our podcast and you end with an AW rampage, I was like, actually, the show is deserving of that because it's not wacky and silly and outrageous yeah. like uh, NXT two point nor is it ludicrous game show like Madden or B show game show for Red Macdown or even the pulsating excitement and occasional like frenetic weirdness of Dynamite. It is just AEW Rampage. <laughs> yeah. The wrestling show for good, bad, and unfortunately, indifferent. I had a perfectly fine time with this Rampage. Yeah, a I enjoyed it. Perfectly fine time. Um, Dynamite, uh, sorry, AEW's frantic pace. Uh, means that, Christ, an hour feels like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not like, I don't know. A B-show is a B-show, and there's, it's, there's just no getting away from yeah. it. Like, it just does not feel vital. It doesn't feel terribly topical as we're talking about it. I know we're doing it on Tuesday instead of a Monday for reasons, but it already feels long gone because nothing felt that consequential i don't know i don't there was one thing i really bad in the ratings as well did it yeah i mean the nba stuff i think smackdown did really bad as well but i'm gonna draw up these figures because 
So it's going to get it bears moved. repeating. Well, it's going to get moved next week to a time that's pretty cool over here, isn't it? Isn't it like half ten in the UK that we can sit and watch Rampage? Is it? Well, like I'm in on Friday nights, and I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to treat myself to a live Rampage viewing because it's and on. Stay away and watch SmackDown if you can. Su- <laughs> super, super early. It's on at like I'm pretty sure the people on the West Coast are still at work when Rampage is on. 464,000.14. I've like lost track with what that even means compared to pre- prior weeks anymore. But I just, I don't know. Like we're gonna go through this. I, I don't want to disappoint um, anybody that listens to AEW. Like I like to think that our AEW coverage as complementary and shoulder coverage to AEW because I think that mm. probably people listening to this have maybe watched the show and have formed their own opinions. And well, it's compared in contrast to WWE where they sometimes maybe listen so they don't have to watch. Yes. I like to think that we're kind of like we can be an accompaniment to AEW's product. NXT did uh, 0.14 and 577,000, so obviously NXT 2.0 is a better show. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> um, but the thing with it's they're not, they're not the same. So it's almost like apples and oranges at this point, or apples and oranges, yellows, blues, greens. <laughs> but 2.0 is a just a monstrous riddled thing. Mm. I, I do sort of want to look at it more sometimes, you know? Like, I di- there's just... If you, that week where Sidgwick had to recap what went down and it ended with like Druids feasting on Bron Breaker, mm. I was back in the office straight down to the highlights, straight down to the, the sort of truncated version of it. I'd, nothing he could have told me about this rampage would make me race to watch it. Mm. Mm. I think, yeah, it's fine. Like, I, yeah, fine. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, there was elements that I enjoyed more than others. Um, but like you say, yeah, it just doesn't feel... There was, there was one thing I loved... From a subjective point of view, and there was two things that I would consider pretty fascinating objective developments, but it, it wasn't loaded with big matches. It didn't deliver big matches. It promised a seven, and it delivered a seven. Yeah, and I mean, what do you like? What's the what's the takeaway from any of that before, during, or after? If that's kind of where you're setting yourself to begin with. Yeah, fair. Let's dive straight into it, and we can uh, dissect it from there. Uh, we opened straight away with an own heart cup qualifying match. It was Swerve Strickland versus Darby Allen. Uh, Swerve's house chance going on and uh, a nice bit of respect from the two Excalibur pointing out this is not the first time mm-hmm. these two have tangled together although I think it is in AEW obviously um, and there's sort of a nice bit of chain wrestling mixed with a bit of respect before they generally start battering each other yeah. there's you know there's a handshake or a, a, you know, a fist bump or whatever beforehand and they you know they're trying to win the match by just just slightly out wrestling each other and then they realise oh I'm going to have to knock each other out basically mm-hmm. Uh, Strickland sent Allen out to the floor. Go for like, he went for this mad, I've written down tope here. It wasn't really a tope. It's sort of like a flip over the top rope. Yeah. Still landed on his feet and Allen just countered that straight away into that brilliant flipping package stunner thing that he does. It's the idea that he can take the dives, the sort of ones where Darby Allen will throw caution to wind regardless of how it turns out for him. So if it's the total opposite in that regard, he can throw the caution to the wind and then pull the caution back. That's, yeah. that's like, it's a different kind of talent, isn't it? It's almost like the kind of things that like old-fashioned commentators would say, well, that risk is simply not worth the reward. Swerve is saying, well, I can do it without the risk. Mm, exactly. I can, I can pull it. Put that in itself is quite something. unique, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, but, but Alan, regardless, reversed that into a st- uh, flip stunner and then went for his mad suicide dive things that he does and Strickland nailed him with this knee strike. It looked great, that mm. did. And then... As uh, Dolby Allen slowly climbed to his feet using the apron, Strickland just jumped off the apron and stomped him onto the floor, I think, to take us to a break. Uh, when we come back, Strickland stomping Dolby Allen in the corner. He's, he's, he's just a mess. But he's uh, panic stations. He knee bars 
swerve, which I thought looked great. You just roll, you know, sort of alligator rolls him down, and Strickland has to punch his way out of the hold and then suplex, suplex Darby Allen for a two count. Uh, he goes up top for a top rope stomp, but Darby Allen avoids it, and again, Swerve's knee now has been compromised. Therefore, Darby Allen hits him with a code red for a near fall, goes up top, goes for the coffin drop. Strickland gets his knees up, but again, it's one of his bodged knees now. Um, and uh, Strickland manages to hit him with that kick to the back of the head that looks so good, but Darby Allen is right next to the ropes and just gets his hand on it to break the pinfall. So Strickland suplexes Allen over the top rope to the floor, which was just incredible, a mad bump for both of them to take. Uh, Strickland throws Darby Allen back in the ring, and Ricky, Ricky Stark steps off commentary to go and interfere. Sting gets in his way and chases him back up the ramp. This whole distraction has allowed Darby Allen to recover, and as Strickland gets back in, he gets leg-locked and cradled. Darby Allen wins. He is going to be the in the Owen Hart Cup. Hmm. I still don't know what I think about this. So I came away... I was like, when we do these reviews, I'm my first thing that always comes to mind when you throw to me or Cedric or whatever is my memory of how I felt immediately afterwards. And I remember feeling a little bit disappointed with this. I was really enjoying, really enjoying the elements of this match that I could transplant onto a longer one with a proper finish, yeah. a proper story. I loved the chapter of tactical restraint between the two. And I loved watching the boundaries of tactical restraint get broken ever so briefly as we did. And I loved what felt like the ascent towards a finish that played off all of that. Mm. And then we got this. And I felt so let down by what I felt like I was being... Like, it felt like part A and part B were to all feed into the great reward of part C. Mm -hmm. And it was like, no, bang, you have this instead. And I'm a patient viewer and I've got a long memory. So one of these days, then maybe they'll set this up for the rematch and I'll get get what I wanted for this, you know? And I also quite like... Like, I, I, is it okay to cover this now? The kind of the follow through with Darby Allen, yeah, you know, kind of that. saying like, I, I don't want them that way typically. And it like, does that lend? Like, is he being truthful there? Is that like, is that completely wholly credible? Is there something else like longer term being set up? But I just felt like the air came out of the balloon a little bit as a result. All the all the things I was being made to feel, and all the kind of like the the ride I was being taken on, just felt like it ended so prematurely and with a pretty lazy finish the type of which we wouldn't even fan cast because we'd believe they'd have something better in yeah. them but it does feel like it's part of a bigger story um it's just for the owen wasn't it yeah i'm not like convinced by this tournament so far i'm yet to see much in not a lot has made this to- outside of maybe dax and cash yeah that was good i don't i'm not so sure like this hasn't felt terribly prestigious Yet this match, I'm just glad they're doing bloody qualifiers. Yeah, to be maybe, do you know what? I'll retract that because we're in the qualifying stages. Maybe that's what it is. Like if you're looking at the field and you think, "Wow, there's some really cool people in this tournament," that's pretty good. And maybe that's what it is. I'll, I'll I'll retract that for now because I just haven't felt none of this match made me feel like I was watching something prestigious and meaningful. Mm. It was just it was an interesting dynamic that wasn't properly explored on the night. Faithfully explored, but maybe not in a way that I expected. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching these two work together, and they, you know, you can tell they've got that experience. And then when Stark stepped out from commentary, I sort of knew what was coming. And I get it, you know, you kind of don't want to defeat. You, there's a lot of these sort of weird finishes they've had to do for this. Mm. You have to try and protect people. You don't want to give like loads of losses just for the sake of qualifiers. Yeah. So you can, if you can caveat it a bit, but yeah, it did feel a bit, it's a bit stingy, isn't it? Mm. Uh, Sean Spears cut a little uh, promo in a vignette talking about the next opponent for the P 
piggy mm-hmm. for Wardlow. <laughs> um, this man is seven foot two and full of PP. Yeah. Pinnacle potential, that is. Very nice. Uh, two things I really liked about this. They continue to, like, we know who it is. Do we? It, yeah. It's, uh... Well... <laughs> See, you said, well... And I thought you were going, well... Because you were doing a clue that it was Morrissey. Um, <laughs> it's W. Morrissey. Yes. Like, Wilborn, it was really nothing. In terms of, <laughs> in terms of mentioning a name there. Um, like, how soon is now? Well, it's Wednesday, that's when. And, like, the, I know they don't want to mention this charming man by name... But he's <laughs> come a long way from like the end zone cast period of his career, and I think like we're all quite game for that. Well, they did say Sean Spears actually also did say he would come out tonight, but he hasn't got a stitch to wear. So you know, stop me if you think you've heard this one before. <laughs> but now we can't get going. I can't let it say. All I'm saying is, is like I want to see this battle between these two. Be- even though meat is murder, I want to see this yes. battle between these two beefy boys. Um, and pinnacle potential is like I don't think that's a wasted line. Because the pinnacle have finished, but if they're not in the mind of Sean Spears, yes. what does that mean for like FTR? The, in, like, the fact that hasn't been a babyface turn yet, but they are now two of the most popular wrestlers in AEW, I think is great because all you've had to do is keep them off screen from one another. At some point, MJF's going to be like, "All right, that's cash. Um, I need you tonight. We're going to um, mm. we're going to beat somebody up, and yeah. then they're going to have to make that choice." And that's pretty good. Like they're going to have to deck Wardlow, and then they're probably not going to deck Wardlow, and that's going to be brilliant. So just the mere mention of the pinnacle gets you thinking of all these yeah. gets the synapses going again about what, like how that feeds into uh, another part of the Wardlow M. Jeff story. Great stuff. Still not responded to my text where I said, "What do you think of my PP?" But uh, I don't know. <laughs> Max is just busy, probably. Yeah. He's, uh, he's anyway, Chris Jericho then awarded himself the Sports Entertainer of the Week award uh, for chucking a fireball in Eddie Kingston's face on Dynamite, and uh, this. Self-congratulations was cut off mm. when Santana came out and attacked Jericho. I did like Ortiz just standing there, just going, I'm not going to fight you. I'm just going to stop security from breaking <laughs> this up for a bit. Eventually, the officials do get involved. And Jericho, the consummate pro that he is, continues on commentary, but announces he will fight Santana on Dynamite this week. Tremendous. I loved all of this. So a great way to set up a TV. To be honest, a TV match that Dynamite kind of needed looking at a card. It's, ah, yeah, it's not the spiciest at the moment. Like, maybe it'll reveal itself or there'll be a good road to or we'll just look at the card as a whole and think it's pretty good. But I don't, I don't feel like I've been that wowed by the sum of this week's Dynamite's parts and yet this match has got a bit of spice to it. It's very much, you know, it, it's a bit Inner Circle Explodes, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of AEW originals. It's like, it's not a dream match as such, but it's just a match you never imagined you would get and here we are. Uh, and Jericho, selling the um, gravitas of an award he's given himself as the Sports Entertainer of the Week and then... Because this happened early in the show, having a sell fear at the pro- like every time it cut to any of the announcers doing anything, Jericho's scared for his life because <laughs> he's like insistent on being there for it, but just like oh god, oh, yeah, I, mean, I, I love that. Like he had a, Jericho was really great with all of this. Yeah, really, really good stuff. I enjoyed that a lot. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall—whatever your next project. There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Oh. Then we got the first match for the baddies. Jay mm. Cargill, Red Velvet, Kira Hogan uh, taking on Sky Blue, Willow Nightingale, and Trish Adora. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, this is the moment when it begins, these sorts of things in my eyes. Like, I, they came out, the three of them, and I thought, yep, this yep. is a huge stable. I know it's already been hinted at, and they've got the baddie section and what have you, but I just thought, this is this is just great stuff, and they justified why Red Velvet had turned and what have you. Um, Cargill goes to start out, and then goes, oh, "I can't be asked for beating you up, Sky Blue." Red Velvet coming and sort her out. She did a bit, and then Trisha Dora came in, and, and sorry, Willow Nightingale came in, and Kira Hogan came in. Um, there was a point with Red Velvet and Willow Nightingale where Willow hit a pounce that sent her basically out of the ring. Yeah. That looked amazing, um, but. Towards the end, I mean, it was a relatively short match, but we saw Trisha Dora get nailed with that pump kick from uh, Jade Cargill. Velvet hit Blue with a spear. Hogan took out Nightingale with a shotgun drop kick. I think Kira Hogan also had done that step-up famous that looked great yeah. earlier on as well. And uh, Cargill hit Trisha Dora with the jaded slam and got the one, two, three, and they celebrated with their money fans. And I thought, this stable is money. Instantly, instantly brilliant. Just one of those things that you can just completely see why they've assembled it. Uh, you can completely understand without having to need to have it patronizingly explained to you why this is such a good idea. But I'm going to do it anyway <laughs> a little bit because um, Jade Cargill at this point, as we've kind of talked about, on this in this streak, it's all leading probably to her formal babyface turn, either through um, her becoming... Like, so big and so brilliant that she no longer needs, let's say, Smart Mark Sterling or no longer needs the baddies at whatever mm-hmm. point. And she is just unstoppable, and it results in them turning um, on her or them abandoning her or whatever. In the short term, it's a far more creative solution to the problem of, well, how do you start, how do you build people up to just lose to Jade Cargill? Mm. Because they will find themselves hitting a bit of a wall. Yeah, you send somebody on an unbeaten streak, but they are losing when they fight Jade. So you've basically had to have somebody go over three or four people 
mm-hmm. to lose to Jade Cargill. Yeah. And then you've had three or four losers, and then you've got another loser because of the person that's just lost to Jade. And it, ultimately, what you would find yourself having there is a big collection of losers in mm-hmm. the division. And this division is short on real winners as it is. So this is a great solution to that problem because you've now got in um, both Red Velvet and in Kara Hogan, people that can lose matches. Mm-hmm. They, they can lose tags, they can lose singles matches, but when they're with Jade, can be immediately credible all over again. You expect them to win a lot of trios matches together because Jade is the star, Jade is the, the powerhouse and the one that inspires them to have a bit more confidence in themselves. I wasn't a fan, we talked about this, I wasn't a fan of the baddies physically interacting in Jade's matches, but I'm a huge one of them all being in yeah. a match together. There's a big difference between throwing punches from behind the guardrail in Jade's singles matches versus just working as a cohesive unit here. Uh, people in all elite wrestling have friends. Mm. Like everyone should have friends in this company because in a real life locker room setting like that, everybody would have allies, everybody. And then every now and then when you get a loner, they become this like rule proven exception. And it's really cool when you've got somebody yes. that doesn't have any obvious allies that then finds one along the way. Like that's pretty that's pretty cool in and of itself. They're kind of telling that story a bit with Wardlow, aren't they? He had to beat up so many people to help MJF that he's now found himself without too many people willing mm-hmm. to go to bat for him in the locker room. But that day will come. Somebody will be there for Wardlow. We already know there's a little bit of a link between him and CM Punk. And one of these days, one of them two might need to cash that in. And that in itself is pretty awesome. Yeah. So this sort of stuff, like having the mindset that like, you know, like stables are bad for for Jade Cargill or for indeed anybody in AEW. It just it like it so often reveals itself to be brilliant down the line when mm-hmm. you that here's these words again, when you let it play out. <laughs> and yeah, from an aesthetic point of view, like ignoring all of that for a second, from an aesthetic point of view, Jade Cargill and the Baddies is awesome. Yeah. I just felt like money immediately. Red Velvet you Red Velvet's I, made I, to be a heel, isn't she? Isolated her for praise. How much did we love her on the come up as a baby face? Oh, absolutely. And then you see her working a heel and you're like do this first. Like, you get yourself so over all over again as an awesome heel that when the time comes for you to turn babyface, we know you've already got that in the locker. Like, I think Red Velvet is good, not great in the ring, but she can do everything else. Eight, nine, ten out of ten. Did, did she, I think she had a foot on the throat and she, oh, she just did the splits and just taunted so, the crowd. I thought her... Um, like you know, they, like we always say, like the reach through the screen facials of a baby face, where you just want to gra- you want to be there for the hot tag. I thought Red Velvet had that to the point where nobody else could touch it. I think a heel ones are a, a better straight away. <laughs> yeah, and it's just well, not that like I want to be critical of her work, but when she puts all the pieces together, oh my Jesus days. Christ! Like you've maybe got another money player in her as well. I, yeah, can't say enough good things about this. If if not for what we got now, which was good for the potential, which is great, and. Yeah, not a lot of Trisha Dora in particular to like sink your teeth into, but you didn't get the impression that anybody in the heel side was being used for a one and done. More of these, you can see on the face more side. Of them. Sorry, on the on the yeah. face side, yeah, yeah. This wasn't a, this was far no. from one and done. You're going to see them more and more. I agree. And, like cream does rise to the top in these in these squash ranks. Uh, this is where we got after that the uh, Tony Schiavone interview with Darby Allen, Shane Strickland, Darby Allen saying, "I'll give you five more minutes." Strickland saying, "No, I'm going to be rooting for you though, uh, and basically going to use this as motivation. Go and find Keith. We've got unfinished business with Starks and Hobbs and Team Taz." Basically, uh, speaking of Keith Lee, he was in action against Colton Gunn next. Um, Keith Lee, obviously very popular here. Colton Gunn decides to counter that by doing the double chop. Oh, <laughs> Colton, mate, what are you thinking? Uh, so, of course, Lee just tortured him for a brief period just here's how it's really done with the chop and just chucking him all over the place uh when we come back from the break in fact uh Keith Lee beeled Colton across the ring charged in the corner but uh, Austin Gunn had hopped up on the apron Colton ducks 
Austin took the shot instead. Lee goes for the uh, the big power bomb, um, but Colton escaped and goes for the famouser, and Lee countered that into the Big Bang catastrophe that they're still not calling the Big Bang catastrophe, but it was the Big Bang catastrophe. They got the pinfall victory. Uh, kind of, it wasn't a squash per se, because we did have Colton Gunn getting some offense in, but a very sort of by-the-numbers victory for Keith Lee here. Yeah, I've got nothing bad to say about this, but I've not got a lot good yeah, either. that's fair. You know, like, you can... The word functional does have the word fun in it. <laughs> and often AW masters that and something that only exists to kind of sell something else, whether that be getting over a new wrestler or progressing something to the inevitable tag team match. The, the AW were loads better obscure in the match to build a match booking that WWE do on an almost like weekly basis. I don't think this really obscured it. No. I think I knew what I was watching here was the showcase for Keith Lee and the probable t- like Swerve and Lee are going to destroy the gun club. And that's going to be really, really fun. Yeah. But I, like, that doesn't mean that these bits on the way can't be good too. Yeah. I was a bit like, yeah. It would be really, really cruel and unfair to be critical of this match. But I don't know what to single out for praise. Double chop. Yeah. Double-handed chop. It was, just it, it, it was funny. Yeah, that was funny. Hey, just celebrate <laughs> when he did it to Keith Lee. And I was like, oh, you've made a real mistake here. And, you know, I almost think they would never say this out loud, but I all I sort of think that AW acknowledged that because this was kind of decimated by the break as well. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And something always is. happened in the break, it felt like. Yeah, something always is, and it was this, and that's probably quite telling as well. Uh, Hardy Boys are interviewed talking about the Owen Hart tournament. Uh, Jeff is going to face Bobby Fish, and uh, they speculate on potential dream matches if Jeff, when, sorry, when Jeff qualifies by beating Bobby Fish. And then we cut to the undisputed elites who can't believe what they've just heard. Um, and Bobby Fish reveals that he is going to beat Jeff hardly, and his <laughs> days are numbered. I, I, I love when heels get lines like this, and especially if it's around right other heels that put this line over as an absolute zinger. Yeah. And they're, they're, oh, as if they want to make the gift for themselves, like getting <laughs> the shocked face and that. And it's there's a tragedy to that because obviously that then becomes, if you watch any of like Red Dragon, Shtick and Ring of Honor, there's loads of that kind of yeah. thing. They believe they're the coolest. And indeed the Undisputed Era, when they believe they're the coolest guys, they, mean they believe that the jocks in the lunchroom, but they're in fact these complete dweebs that everybody just <laughs> wants to hate and beat up. Great stuff. And the fact that it's completely undercut when you hit the zinger, like the whole point is you hit the zinger and you're out. Yeah. And then they're going, shut the camera off. <laughs> yeah, they, can't, they all like hate the fact that you just can't turn it off right. Which again, have we not said from the very beginning, it's some pretty good LTST yeah. with Ken Omega, if he ever watches the tape of the Hangman Page match, he's going to see that nod. And suddenly a lot better than when they told that cameraman to leave and he just <laughs> left the camera on. And Don <laughs> Callis was like, here's all the secrets. <laughs> um, in contrast to that, thinking something is good and not being so good, uh, I've, I'm not super hype on Jeff Hardy working in the singles dimension. <laughs> I don't feel a great deal for that. I just thought, oh, because they said, oh, you're going to eat a swan's up bomb. And I was like, for Bobby Fisher's sake, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> At this point, that's a three-course meal, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and then it was time for Danhausen, who... Kind of with you now. <laughs> <laughs> Comes out, cuts his promo, talks, walking down to the ring about how he's he's gonna. He, right, see, he's having it out with Hook. He's you know he's he's ruined his his, his curses and and he's got a real issue with him. Calls out Hook, send Hook. He says, and down comes Hook to the ring, uh, not in fight shorts, but mm-hmm. in trackies. That's what I think I look like when I wear trackies, <laughs> and I definitely don't. I'd look, just look like a schlub walking around Sainsbury's on a Thursday <laughs> evening, basically. You're better half, Tony. Can you not like? Just put a pair of jeans on or something. No, you don't understand. 
Yeah. This is what looks cool in Tesco's. Now. I'm driving shirtless to Tesco, <laughs> listening to Action Bronson, going, "I'm definitely hooked." <laughs> I just I've just not done my hair properly. That's all. Stupid. It's getting to the hook length, by the way. I'm getting it cut on Thursday. I thought you were doing this. I thought I thought this but was a look. It's getting. Hook. I thought it is getting that I'm way. I'm not yeah. going to even attempt to look like Hook. No one should. Uh, anyway, Hook comes down. Was film was it Young? Was it Young Einstein or Young Frankenstein? Yeah, that guitar with a duck on the end. I'd be, I'd be very, very you with that yeah. big hair as well. My guitar with a duck. Oh, like a parrot or something like that. Bad film. Uh, so uh, Hook comes down and gets in Dan Hauser's face and he goes, eh. <laughs> He does. Yes, he does. He says, maybe maybe not shouldn't do this. He's having second thoughts. Maybe we should do this another time. And uh, Hook goes, no, I'll do it now. Mm. Yes, sir. Uh, but then brilliantly timed, Mark Sterling comes out and asks the audience, do you fans really want to see these two fight? And I was like, yes! And in comes Tony Nese, complete with his two tiny knees. Uh, and he attacks them both from behind. He beats them down. Uh, but Hook and uh, and Dan Housen, they've got the numbers advantage. And they recover eventually enough for Hook to send Nice flying out of the ring with a suplex. And uh, Hook and Nice sort of stand there. There's a nice bit, actually, where I'm fairly certain the story is Danhausen does the curse mm-hmm. and thinks, oh, it's worked because they're about to get in the ring and Sterling sort of pulls Nice back. But that's because Hook's got up and he's ready yeah. for a fight now. But Danhausen now thinks, oh, the curse works again. Yeah. There we go. Again. again. <laughs> and so uh, Danhausen sort of offers a, a handshake to Hook. Huge bab. Now is not the time for it, though. Hook just sort of grabs him by the the shirt collar and, and, and storms out, as he often does, surly. But, yeah, I thought this was a real highlight of the show. I, 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 like, I don't think this scene classed as a victory lap, does it? But I feel like I called this one from early on. I felt like this Huckhausen. was... Huckhausen. was where they were going to go with this, rather than the two of them coming to blows. I I love the detail of Smart Mark Sterling, like, either improvising or being given or just them booking it. Uh, the line of, like, nobody wants to see this, because that pop on Dynamite when that crowd obviously didn't see... Like, they, saw, they just saw a graphic. That, like, that one of the biggest pops of the night was for that graphic, wasn't it, on Dynamite? So just a really inspired detail of, like, the heels. What do you want to take away if you're a heel from this crowd? You want to take away the fact that these two popular figures were going to, like, well, one was going to kill the other. Yes. Like, I, I love that. I love that, like, that's the setup for this. That was a really neat way. It was, because I, why I saw Dan Howes and Hook as eventually as allies was because they're both, they're the same but different, mm. Hook and Dan Housen. Like they're, they're not two sides of the same coin, but they're two sides of a coin. Yes, yeah. Like it's just because like one is really wacky and one is really sedate and almost too cool for this planet that neither of them have of this planet. No, and that, that's what kind of brings them together. So I love that that like the heel they figured out the way that the heel would force them together. And as you say, the the framing of Dan Housen believing it to be the curse and all of us knowing oh. it to be Hook is like it's that nice kind of dramatic irony where it's the certain times where it's very important that the wrestler doesn't see what we all see. And that's a perfect example of it. Um it's it's just they're the their numbers guys like Dan Housen is this like online sensation. Hook was almost like birthed from meme culture like brought to life he's like you know what hook is especially because he's so goddamn sexy mm. you know in the 90s when like you know unfortunately like the media was only obsessed with sexiness as relates to women mm-hmm. like hook is weird science for the progressive generation yes they haven't built out some sexy lady like what are you gonna do with this newfangled world wide web we're gonna make some pubes it's like <laughs> we're gonna make some like 
super cool hard guy that's also mega handsome with a great body and like and he wicked, eats crisps eats crisps and wicked he's everybody's weird science <laughs> fantasy there will be something about hook that you would want to make if you could use a computer to make a guy on the world wide web <laughs> like there's something about hook that's yeah. there for you so he was like meme generated dan Housen is a living breathing meme <laughs> yeah there's so much about them is in common when you stop and think about it and like Tony Neeson, Mark Sterling's days are numbered as a result. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, really good stuff. Like, this is what I mean. We're like, it doesn't matter what we think or don't think about Dan Housen or Hook. Good wrestling is good wrestling. Yeah. And that's what this was. Uh, the guns get interviewed by Lexi Nair, but the acclaimed show up and often to make a team because, you know, when have they ever failed as a team? Yeah. Uh, and there's just a lot of scissoring going on. <laughs> and uh, the guns have to go talk to Daddy first. Yeah. So the acclaimed offer the scissors to Lexi, and she goes, no. <laughs> is this inevitable failure? This inevitable failure, is this the babyface yes, turn? Yes, I think so. Like we can, I, know, I feel like I've done this like three times now. Is this, is this the bit where they turn babyface? I feel like, yeah, you put people, and they're not across from the guns, they're arguably together yeah, with the guns. Yeah, that's it. But, but it's going to see where it's going. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I think you're right. They're going to lose against what, Swerve Lee, Sting and Darby. That's the match, isn't it? Probably, yeah. yeah. It's a good shout. Um, and then we got a video package uh, highlighting Mercedes Martinez and interim title, our Ring of Honor Women's World title, of course, unification match with Diana Perot. So I thought it did a really good job, that, to sell me on yeah. that match. We look, we asked for it and we got it. Like, this was a necessity. Um, they've, they're too, they play too fast and loose with titles, Ring of Honor, and women. Yes. So the fact that this match encapsulated all three and it needed at very least this to try and get a bit boost a bit of interest for the match on Wednesday because the match is going to be great. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I cannot wait for that. And yeah, it's and yeah, it would have stood the chance of being like killed by the typical failure to hype. So this was good. Yeah. Uh we got the split screen back and forth. Trent uh, Trent said basically, "Oh, you're a scary man, but I'm going to win the world title in about that as many words to be honest." Yeah. And Samoa Joe just looked through the screen and was just like, "I want to kill you." <laughs> and I thought yeah, you may well do. Mm. Uh, and then we had uh, Ian Riccoboni joining the commentary team for... Well, looks like we've had enough time. It's time for the main event. <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't it, every oh, week? Oh, God. Uh, yes, a very hard-hitting affair here. Um Joe goes for a tope early on. Trent Barrera avoided it. Hit Joe with a sliding knee uh, from the apron to the floor. A Sai Moonsault chops on the floor. Goes for a tornado DDT, but Joe just chucked him and then kicked him with a boot to take us to a break. Uh, when we come back, Barrera flips out of a powerbomb attempt and drop kicks Samoa Joe, and he hits him with a crossbody from the top rope to the floor. He realizes what a sort of uh, task he has on his hands at this point, I think. And um, commentary doing a great job of being like, how do you beat someone like Samoa Joe effectively? Well, Beretta went for a tornado DDT for a near fall. Goes for strong zero, but Joe counters with a power bomb. He gets himself a two count. He locks uh, Beretta in a cross face, and he has to scratch and claw to get to the ropes to break it. Beretta thinks it's a good idea to then slap Samoa Joe, who just goes, okay, we're doing that, are we? <laughs> Stiff lariat to Beretta to floor him. He goes for a muscle buster. Uh, Beretta counters nicely into a sunset flip. Um... And charges at Joe in the corner after that. Joe cashes him the Uranagi and puts him in the rear naked choke. Gets the submission win. There is a, a, a handshake afterwards. I'll ask you about the match in a second, but we have to kind of talk about the closing angle to this show. Um, so Tony Schiavone gets in the ring after the handshake and goes to interview Samoa Joe, but he's interrupted by uh, Sanjay Dutt, Jay Lethal, and of course the giant Satnam Singh. Um, 
they walk down to the ring, but best friends are there. Orange Cassidy has that comedy moment with Satnam Singh and it kicks him in the legs and what have you. And uh, Sanjay Dutt has had enough of this. He flies in. He attacks uh, the best friends to make sure that they can't get involved. And it is uh, Lethal who jumps into the ring and brawls with Samoa Joe right up until officials have to separate them numerous times before the show goes off the air. Your thoughts on all this? Uh, I thought the the match was all right. The, they are doing a good job. They're being like AEW, I guess, even though he's a Ring of Honor champion and his first appearance for this combined group was for Ring of Honor. I guess, is that right? Like, technically, all of his matches mm, have been Ring yeah. of Honor ones, theoretically. Oh, no, he qualified. Did he? Was He had one AEW match. Yes. So, like, I think they're doing a good job with Joe at the thing that matters with Joe at this point, which is to maintain his aura for as long as possible. I will, I'll believe in Samoa Joe when he's, like, 90 years old walking to the ring with a stroller or something. <laughs> because, like... If you were with Joe for the Ring of Honor or for TNA, like his peak years, you will buy that this man can kill you forever and ever and ever and ever. I expect eventually Samoa Joe might be set up as another um, Lance Archer, Nyla Rose type figure. Like if at any point down the road they've turned him heel, yes. like you can completely believe him in the context of something. And I'm getting that here, and I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying that as a babyface. I did against Minoru Suzuki. I don't, I don't love the work, and like he's getting up there in years. He's He's put the work in over the... Like, this was happening in WWE and in that, like, that last kind of NXT run. You were just starting to see, like, the Miles finally catch up with him. And I think that happens. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's, that's the reality of the, of the grind. Uh, so, I, th- I like, I thought the match never really hit the heights that Samoa... AEW has this a lot with a lot of guys, especially because, like, Tony Khan is only getting to book these matches he's wanted to book for years. Samoa Joe versus Trent Beretta, like... Says like says something that in reality would have been something maybe like ten years ago versus what it can be now. Yeah, I get that. This was good, but it like I don't think it ever really stood a chance of becoming great. And I, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of those match combinations at the moment where you're just seeing it, and maybe in your head it's something, whereas in reality it can only be what it is. Especially when you're looking at the clock and going, they could only got a certain amount of time left. That as well. TV time constraints. The fact that it's taped. The fact that there was no buzz coming out of it. It just was what it was. It was a. It's a cromulent wrestling match where very occasionally it like threatened to be something more than which it was. also knew it was going to be overshadowed by what came after. Yeah, I, I didn't love the angle. Like I think was that the worst? I think it probably was because they've always been really good. I think that was probably the worst t- uh, AEW pull apart brawl yet. Like if you think about like the like, like Eddie Kingston like looked like a wolf howling to the moon as he tried to bite CM Punk's face off. <laughs> yep, it wasn't that, was it? No. Like I, th- I think I see Pat Buckwack though. I, well, he's just moved from breaking a bra. What the hell is again? Like, what a strange forbidden door to walk through. <laughs> the agents pull apart a forbidden door. I yeah, this was. I think Tony Khan really loved Once Upon a Time, uh, fantasy booking uh, Samoa Joe versus Jay Lethal, and then bought a promotion <laughs> to reality book it. Don't think people are really going to be into that in uh, 2022, uh, Tony. We're going to do it anyway. Just, this, is not, this is not main event stuff. I like, I'll tell you what I loved about this. It wasn't even so much the kicks. It was the mere visual of Orange Cassidy, not a giant of a man, next to Satman Singh, and the, the difference in height. He put his hands in the air to put them in his pockets. He didn't reach Satman Singh's Still head. didn't reach the height, did he? Me and, <laughs> me and Murray were talking about how cool it might be, considering that this is like Ring of Honor orbit stuff. I asked a question on the preview. It wasn't answered. What is Ring of Honor? <laughs> what is, what, <laughs> yeah. Start telling us what it is, right? Get some, get some TV, get something so you yeah. can tell what this promotion is. But like, we were talking, me and Murray were talking about in the office. I think I want 
uh, Satnam Singh versus Jonathan Gresham for the title. Wow. Because, <laughs> and by the way, height ain't nothing but a number. Jonathan Gresham, we've seen him in real life. The man is as wide as he is tall. Oh, yeah. And I mean that in every complimentary way possible. Guy is jacked. He has an awesome look. Height isn't everything, Vince McMahon. But I do want to see it. I do want to see what was like the nose to nipple comparison of yeah. really great guy. That might even be a bigger gap, but I want to see it done. Yeah. Like, book that for the belt <laughs> because I'm more into that than I am Jay Lethal versus Joe for the, the secondary title, the TV title. Fair. Yes, fair assessment. Uh, let us know your thoughts on AW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. You actually can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, the Raw and SmackDown reviews are available from earlier on today right now. And we'll be back in just a while to preview NXT Duper. Oh, but for now, this has been the AW Rampage review. My thanks to Michael Hamflit. Thank you for joining us. And we... We'll see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.